Well, who here is good at multitasking? Or you, you think you're good at it, right? You know, doing two things at once. I, I think I've finally come to this realization in life that I'm just not good at multitasking, you know? I find when I multitask, I get distracted, right? And here's a couple instances. Um, I noticed some bad habits in my life, I'll have to admit. One of them is, once in a while, me and Melissa, we will, you know, put on a show that we like to watch sometimes, you know? And so we sit down, we're looking at and watching this show, and without even realizing it, my hand goes into my pocket, and I'm pulling out my smartphone, and I just start to mindlessly scroll and scroll. And so what ended up happening is that um, I'm looking down here, and all of a sudden, something happens in the show, and by the time I look up, I've missed it, missed it already, because I was distracted. Or I don't know if any of you have ever done this before, but you know when you're on your phone or something, and someone else is talking to you at the same time? And so you're, uh-huh, uh-huh, and you're going through. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a shock, isn't it? But sometimes I do this, and Melissa's maybe talking, and then all of a sudden there's quiet, and for a split second it takes a while for me to clue in that, oh, no, she's asked me a question, and I can't remember what she said. <laughs> and so I have to say, what? What did you say? I don't think that is really sweet for her, is it? You know, when someone's distracted... Life's full of distractions, isn't it? I would think that, you know, I'd, I'd wager to guess a lot of us in this room are quite distracted in life. And uh, I don't know, but I think that a good chunk of it has to do with technology, you know? It's just like every, we're in the instant generation. You used to get your paper in the morning, and, but when you got to the last page, that was it for the day. But now we just, it keeps coming and, come and coming. You have your uh, news feeds, you have your Insta stories, they just keep going and going. And it's, technology's great, but it's created so much noise outside, just blaring at us, just calling for our attention. And what ends up happening is it starts to affect inside our heads, and the noise gets inside. And we just start going faster and faster, you know? Years ago, they used to say with technology, you know, technology is going to make your life easier, therefore you're going to have time to do whatever you'd like. And it has made our lives easier. It definitely has, but it's also made our lives faster and faster and faster. And, you know, even sometimes we're talking to people and we're distracted. You may be distracted right now as I'm talking to you. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> Thanks for being honest, Kyle. <laughs> you know, we're, we're either thinking about something else entirely or we're thinking about how we're going to respond when that person stops talking, right? We're so distracted. And we're encouraged in culture to be part of the distraction. Largely thanks to social media now, the world gets to hear what we think, what we want to post, what video we want to share. You know, like we're just, we're just part of someone else's noise. And it just seems like it's getting more and more noisy, and we're getting more and more distracted. And what has all that led to? The death of good listening. We're going to talk today about the wisdom of listening. And I'm going, to, I'm going to say this phrase a few times during this message, so why don't we learn it now? It says, listening will take you places 
Talking never will. Why don't we say it together? Listening will take you places talking never will. Listening is so important. In the book, The Business of Listening, the author tells this story about how this this, uh, truck dispatcher made a $100,000 mistake because he sent the trucks to the wrong city. And so what happened was, during this call, the, the dispatcher heard the name of the city, Portland, but then stopped listening to the end where the person said, in the state of Maine, Portland, Maine. And what was the result? You know, something like eight trucks and 3,000 miles away, those trucks landed not on the East Coast in Portland, Maine. They went to Portland, Oregon. All because someone, he stopped listening. Listening. I want to say this, that, you know, listening, it's the key to communication. Whether it's our relationships with each other, the ones you're closest to, co-workers, but also even our relationship with, with God. You know, listening allows us to hear God. And my question for you today is, with all the noise and all the voices out there, how do we distinguish His voice above it all? I want to take you to a, John chapter 10. Jesus, Jesus tells this kind of, it's an analogy about our relationship with God, and he uses a a common analogy back then that everyone would understand. Shepherd and sheep. We're the sheep, he's the shepherd. And in John 10, uh, verse 3, he says this. He says, The sheep recognize his voice and call to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him. Why? Because... They know his voice. How do we recognize his voice? How do we hear it in the noise? Would you for a moment just imagine with me if those sheep, and I have a picture of some sheep, I think, right up there. Imagine if those sheep didn't know the shepherd's voice. What would be some of the consequences? I can think of a couple off the top of my head. How would they know where that fresh pasture was that day? Where would they know to go to the, that calm water and the heat of the day for a drink? How would they know the safe place? If they didn't recognize the shepherd's voice, how would they know where to go back to to get to the sheep pen so that they'd be safe that night? How would they be able to distinguish his voice from sheep robbers, sheep thieves' voice? And I think we need to... I feel it's so important right now that we need to kind of focus in on on trying to hear his voice because, I don't know, maybe more than ever before, I feel as as the church, the church, the big C church, and in our own lives, we need his voice. We need to hear it. We need the direction that he gives because right now, there are other voices that are very loud. There's the voice of culture, and there's some things in culture that are really good. Don't get me wrong, but there are other things that I'm just not so sure about, but the voice is loud. There's the voice of consumerism, you know, that says it's, it's been around a long time. Every advertisement is focusing in on this idea that it's all about your wants, your pleasures, what you can have to make you happy, this me, me, me. That voice is loud. 
And I think so often in the church and in our own personal lives, we've sometimes gotten swayed off of his voice and even sometimes unintentionally gone and started looking at the other voices and what they say is the meaning of life and what brings happiness. But it always leaves us empty inside. We've tried it on our own. It just doesn't fill. We need His voice. And you know, the only way that I know to get better at hearing the voice of God, because I'm going to be honest with you right now, it's been a journey for me of distinguishing, like, what's His voice? What's just my thoughts? What are you saying, God? Is Sometimes the only way to get better at listening is by practicing listening, right? You know, I don't know if you've ever learned a new skill before, but sometimes there'll be a teacher or there'll be an instructor Maybe you'll watch videos, maybe you'll look at a PowerPoint presentation, but there always comes a point where you need to try it out for yourself. You need to put into action what you have learned. You've got to practice, you've got to practice, and listening is just like that. You know, listening to God, trying to foster that idea of just listening to Him, it's going to take you deeper spiritually than so many other things in life. You know... Have you ever thought of this? But if you can speak a language, anyone can talk to God. Anyone can talk to God. I don't know if you've ever heard stories like this, but I have testimonies where sometimes even a devout atheist, at their lowest of lows, they will sometimes say, God, I don't even believe in you. I don't even know if you exist, but if you do, would you come and help me? And oftentimes he does, and that's why we have these stories, and I love them. But it just goes to show that even an atheist can pray if they want to, right? Anyone can talk to God. But I find it's so much harder to be willing to listen to him, to take that time, because energy is required, that time to just quiet the soul and just to listen. Listening allows us to hear God, but it also allows us to hear others. In James, James 1.19, he says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, for we grow when we listen. Here's, uh, what about, uh, what do you think of this proverb? Proverbs 1813, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. You see, to a fool, listening is a big old waste of time because they already know everything. You know, have you ever come across, had a conversation with someone where you really started picking up that they thought that they were more enlightened than the rest of us, you know? Sometimes, and I find it often is the case with these types of people that they also do a lot more talking than listening, don't they? But listening is where you learn. And I want to tell you something, maybe you probably already know this, but did you know that your tongue has power? Your tongue has power. You know, one of the only things I can think worse than thinking bad thoughts about someone is actually saying putting words to those thoughts and letting them out in the presence of someone to hear. Because once you say something, you can't control it anymore, right? 
And in James chapter 3, he talks about the power of the tongue, how it has so much power. He says this, he says, among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. What do you think of this? It can set your whole life on fire. Anyone ever had that happen to them or know someone where they said something and that forest fire was lit, right? <laughs> he says, this is why it's, it's not right. He says, sometimes our tongues praise our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. You see, once you say something, it can't be retracted. You can repent of something you have said. Someone can forgive you of something you've said. But it's very hard to forget something that has been said. You know, I've discovered something about not having regrets, right? When you say something, you know, sometimes you say something, you regret it, and you're like, man, and now you have to go apologize. Well, you know what? I've discovered something in life is that if you are listening to someone, you're probably not saying something you're going to regret because you're busy listening, right? I think time and time again where some, someone or something works me up a bit, and I start thinking all these things about how I feel, and, you know, I really want to tell them. I really want to tell them. But for some reason, I don't. It's maybe just my personality. I know some people, like, their go-to is whatever comes in goes out, you know? But <laughs> I'm thankful that, you know, that's not typically my, where I go. And so sometimes I don't say anything, and then the next day comes, and I've cooled off. And you know, I think to myself, I've done this time and time again, I'm just like, I'm so glad I didn't say what I was thinking. Because if I had said what I was thinking yesterday, I'd be doing a lot of cleanup today. <laughs> um, a few years ago, right before we were married, uh, Melissa and I, we did this premarital class. And it was more, uh, it was more let, let me say, it was a premarital course. <laughs> it, was seven, it was supposed to be seven weeks long, and for some reason it took us 12 weeks. <laughs> so I don't know what that said about us, but uh, <laughs> it was a good course. There was a lot of content in it, but you know, I can only remember, it, obviously, with that much content, like how much do you remember just on the top of your head? I only remember a couple things, and one of the things I remember the best was this listening exercise that we had to do this one day. So this is what we did. We sat on opposite ends of the couch, and one person gets the, gets the floor, so to speak, and you know, they can say whatever they want to say to you. It's usually related to your relationship, because that's what we're talking about. And so, you know, Melissa could say how she hates how I leave the toilet seat up or something like that. She could say how when I did such and such a thing, it hurt her. She could say how I'm a mean and horrible person, but I don't think she said that, so I'm glad. But she could have said it. She could have said it. And you know all I could do? The rules of the thing were all I could do was listen. All I could do was listen. And when, when the person had finished whatever was on their heart, you know, got it off their mind, all I could say, all I was allowed to say were these two words, thank you. Thank you. 
I don't know how thankful I was, but thank you anyways. Thank you for, you know, loading it off on me. Thank you. <laughs> and we weren't allowed to talk about that situation for the next 30 minutes. That was it. And you know why I tell you that story? is because I can't remember what the discussion was during that, but I remember us both walking away saying, wow, that was a powerful exercise. I even think some tears were shed during that time. And imagine how different our conflicts would be if we spent more time listening. Listening is important. Listening will take you places. Talking never will. And if you were wondering about how to become a better listener, I'm sure on, on, on the internet you can find lists and lists of ways to become a better listener. But I would suggest one thing today is next time you're in a conversation with someone, pay attention to the talk-listen ratio in you. So, you know, ask yourself, am I, am I doing most of the talking here? Am I listening more? Like, what is the talk and listen ratio? Someone, you've probably heard this many a time where they said, God gave you two ears, and he gave you one mouth for a reason, right? And I don't know if biologically that's the exact reason why we only have one mouth and two ears, but there's a principle there, isn't there? There is a time to talk. Don't get me wrong. There is a time to speak. But often, what's needed, at least first, is there needs to be a time to listen. One other piece of wisdom I want to share with you today is this idea. Take the time to understand. In other words, get the facts first. Get the facts first. A couple more Proverbs today. Well, actually, first of all, I'll say this, that there was this author, he wrote this well-known book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey, I think, was his name. And you know, one of those things he said, he said this, he said, seek first to understand, then to be understood. You know, often we want to flip that around, don't we? We want everyone to understand how I'm feeling, what I'm saying. But often, that doesn't go over so well. We need to flip it around. We need to take the time to understand, to get the facts before we make our decisions. A couple of Proverbs, it says, in Proverbs 18.2, it says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. But on the flip side, another proverb, it says, The mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil things. You know, jumping to conclusions before you get all the facts, it only leads to grief down the road. You know, you make, you make a judgment call. Like, I've done this. We've all done this. I've done this. Where you hear this bit of information. It's only a quarter of the story, but that's enough. That's all you need. And you make this judgment call on somebody or about a situation, and it, it only ever leads to grief down the road. Because your answer is usually always wrong. I think as a pastor, pastors are in a unique situation. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but I think about it because I am one, right? <laughs> so one of the unique things is that because of the role of being a pastor, people 
will come to you, you know, with difficult questions in life. Like they, they come to look to you um, for some spiritual wisdom guidance because, you know, you are the, you're the pastor. And I don't want to say that that's a bad thing. I'm not, don't, don't hear me here and say, well, don't go to Pastor Dave. He doesn't like when you give him hard questions. <laughs> don't say, don't listen to that. Come to us because that's what we're here to serve. We're here to serve. That's why we're here. But you know what scares me in being a pastor is that I recognize the fact that I have only gone 27 rotations around the, around the sun, so to speak, right? And how many of you have done twice that many. And by doing twice that many, you have gained experiences in life that I have yet to experience. You've experienced good and bad things that I probably just don't know about yet. And you know what the temptation of a pastor is? The, the, the temptation is to, when people come to you with hard, answer, hard questions, is to give an answer right away. Because that's what pastors do, right? They give answers. Well, there's that temptation to do that. But I have this conviction that worse than no answer is giving a bad answer, right? And I've, you can think of probably stories where you know, someone without knowing all the details, kind of on the fly, they give you an answer, and at best, it's unhelpful, but at worst, it can be harmful. And I always say to God, I say, God, I don't ever want to cause unnecessary pain into someone's life because I just spat off an answer without even thinking about it. So what do you do when you don't know what to say? Well, I've had this question because I've started here. It's been a month and a bit now. So this question's been kind of just percolating on my mind. And so about a month ago, what do you do as a young pastor when you don't know what to do? You go to the boss. (laughs) So I went to the big boss. I went to Pastor Scott and I asked him, What do you do, Pastor Scott, when you just don't know what to say in that moment? And you know, I don't, many of you know Pastor Scott much better than I do, but in his reassuring, confident confident in humility, I don't know how that works together, but it does with him, that common confidence he says to me, this great thing of wisdom, which I hope I never forget. He says, if ever you don't know what to say, you can always say something like this. I don't know, but I can find out for you if you'd like. In other words, I don't have a good answer right now, but I can go home, I can go pray about it, I can go ask others about what they think, I can study, I can do research, and I can come back to you and hopefully give you a better, more well-rounded opinion. You know, sometimes in life, the best answer you can give in a moment is those three words which we just, oh, we hate saying it sometimes. I don't know. It's not an excuse to push off whatever it is, but rather it's an opportunity to do what I was just talking about, that take the time to understand. Unfortunately, however, Not everyone does that, do they? (laughs) I haven't always done it. Sometimes people jump the gun, you know? They they just, uh, they go off of the information they have and they they make a, a judgment call, a decision, and 
They didn't know all the facts. Well, I want to tell you a story about this girl that um, we know, me and Melissa know, that we're going to call her Ashley. There used to be an old show on TV. I actually think it was Dragnet, so don't ask me how I know Dragnet. That's a show from the 50s or so. But they used to say, it was a crime show, and they used to always say at the beginning, the announcer would say, the names have been changed to protect the innocent, right? <laughs> so we're going to call this girl Ashley. And I need to tell you something about Ashley before, before I tell you this story, because Ashley uses Facebook like I've never seen anyone use Facebook before. I've seen bits of it, but I think she goes above and beyond. Uh, she uses Facebook like a, like a personal venting diary, right? You know? In the past couple of years and being your Facebook friend, I have learned so much about her, things that I didn't want to know. I've learned all about her financial woes, her family dysfunction with her siblings. I've learned about uh, her love life, which it's just like so many times I'm just like, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. But, so just, I've also noticed, I guess, with reading her posts sometimes, is I see a theme sometimes in life, and that is when something bad happens, often it's somebody else's fault. You know, and sometimes when you read her posts and you take it for what it says, you're just like, oh man, like people are bad to her, you know? And you get people in the comment section saying, oh, Ashley, like, we're sorry. Like, this is horrible. How could that person do that? How could your sister do that to you? And then I scroll a little farther down and I see like the other person responds and gives the other side of the story. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense, right? And I'm not here to blame Ashley for how she acts on Facebook. I know that sometimes, you know, how we lived our lives and how our childhoods, things affect us that we don't have control of, and it causes us to do certain things. I get that. So know this about Ashley. She uses Facebook like a diary. So here's the story. One day, me and Melissa were driving in uh, Melissa's parents' van. Now, it's one of those vans that the seats go right into the ground, you know, they go right into the floor. Uh, Chrysler does it. I forget what it's called. But so it, all it means is that you have all this back space to put stuff in. So one day we needed their parents' van to take some old carpet to the dump. And so we're driving along the road, and we pass Ashley's house. Now, in spite of everything I said about Ashley, she's a good person. We've got along well over the years. And so we're driving by. We see... In the lawn, we see like this old rolled up carpet. And you know, if it was me, I wouldn't even thought twice. I would have even thought, and we would just driven by and forget. But you know, Melissa's, she looks out for those things and she says, Why don't we stop and ask if we can take her carpet to the dump? We're already heading there. She doesn't have a truck or a van. And so we're like, Okay. So we have to turn around. We've already gone past the driveway. We turn around, we get back into the driveway. Melissa goes, knocks on the door. And Ashley's away um, working. She's away. But her babysitter's there. And so we talk to the babysitter about this carpet. But of course the babysitter doesn't know anything about a carpet. So we're just like, you know what? We'll just, we just won't do anything. We just thought we'd stop. And so we leave. We head on our way. And never think about the whole incident again. Until that night. Because Melissa comes to me at home holding up her phone, and she's like, did you read this? Ashley was putting another diary entry in. About us this time. <laughs> and I have a picture up here 
of this surveillance camera. You can't really, in the, the, the far left corner, you can see a picture of our van. So she's got some security up. And this, a photo like this goes up on Facebook with something like this, something like these words. It says, um, some strange van was in our, my driveway today, and the babysitter said that, you know, they were coming to get this carpet, but that seems a little suspicious. Um, how come it is no one, no one ever comes to my house when I'm home, but when, I'm, when they think I'm away, you know, then they come over? And then she goes on to say, and I don't, I don't make this up, she starts to think that these might be dog nappers coming to steal her dogs. Apparently, there are dog nappers in our area. I didn't know that, but I don't have a dog, so what would I know? <laughs> and when I read that, I was just like, oh, no. And so Melissa gets on there and, you know, says, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to scare you like that. And everything's good between us now. Everything is good. But, you know, as I reflect on that whole experience, I just think to myself, wow, like, I think about all the anxiety and... Um, worry that Ashley had to go through, thinking that that van was, you know, out to get her, right? Like, what's she going to think now? Like, would she, all that time she would have thought, like, someone's coming to get my dog. Should I increase my security? Will she sleep at night? Will she be scared to go off to work now because there's these suspicious vehicles around? And I think of all the grief it caused just her because she assumed she assumed. I tell you that story today not to rail on Ashley in any of the least, but it's just more of a, a parable in life in how let's try not to act that way if we can so, right? Like, let's, let's try not. It's so easy, I get it. It's so easy to assume that those are dog nappers, not your neighbors trying to do you a good deed. It's easy, it happens, but it just causes so much grief in the end. Seek first to understand. How do you get better at understanding people? Well, if you're ever in a conversation, I would encourage you to do this. Ask questions. Ask questions. You know, you're going to learn something when you ask questions. You may even learn something that you can apply to your life when you're asking people questions. And not only that, but when you're talking to them, they're going to feel like you actually appreciate what they're saying and that you appreciate them. I want you to imagine for a moment, imagine this week, if we all as a church, each one of us decided to just do a little less talking this week and a little more listening, just such a small pivot, what effect would that have on our relationships with those that are closest to us? What would it, how would it change our experiences in communicating with our coworkers? How would it change our experiences on social media? But perhaps most of all, how would it positively change our relationship with God? So let's say it together a couple times. Listening will take you places talking never will. Again, listening will take you places, talking never will. One more time. Listening will take you places, talking never will. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want...
to hear your voice this week. We need to hear your voice. We need it more than ever before. And God, we just pray that that you would just help us to take that time that's required to just say no to the noise sometimes so that we can listen. Oh God, help us to listen. It's so hard. We got that one mouth, but it's still so hard. Oh, would you teach us how to walk in your wisdom this week? Amen.